when I was prepping this message, you know, so I've been going through the book of Ephesians in my own time as well, and I started prepping this message, and I thought, you know what, I should actually go through what's being preached the last couple of weeks, because I I just don't want to make sure I'm treading on any toes, and the title of my message was going to be, Unity is a Fruit of, no, yeah, Unity is a Fruit of Maturity, and then I went through the last couple of messages and then realized that that was pretty much the exact same title as Steve's from the start of June and I thought, you know, that's me being a bit dramatic and I was like, God, can I please preach on something else? And he was like, no, okay, well, I'll be of good cheer about it. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so, and I'm pretty much preaching on most of the same verses. So can we please turn to Ephesians chapter (coughs) 4? And we're going to be starting at verse 11. May as well open my Bible, eh? It's good to do that when you're preaching. I do have a sheet here that has like all the verses in it because I just get annoyed with going through my Bible all the time. But since we're going to be there a fair bit, it would be good to keep it there. Okay, so at the moment we're just going to read verses 11 to 13. So... It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Oh, yeah, and to 13. To prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I want everybody to listen right now because there are people in here who have these gifts. Maybe not all of you, okay? Because it says God gave some to be apostles, you know, and the rest of the list. I'll get the order wrong. But this does not necessarily talk about leadership in the the traditional sense that we would understand it, okay? In fact, this word pastor... I mean, it translates as shepherd, and back in the day, it wasn't really supposed to be a position that you necessarily get a credential for. And uh, I mean, it, it, was, it was a role that you play. Now, people who have these roles in the church, it, it, it's what brings them the most joy. It, it, it's, you know, it, it's what makes their heart beat faster. It, it sort of naturally comes out of it. I mean, I'm starting to be a trainee pastor at the moment, but that's actually not my primary role. I mean, I, I really enjoy it, but it, it's, it's not the particular one that makes my heart beat really fast or that I naturally just go to, okay? Now, we've all got something that we naturally go to. Now, it may either be one of these or you may be none of these. That's okay because there's a couple of things in this. These are called the ascension gifts. Many of you know this. Yes, we've heard this a hundred times. The main purpose of the ascension gifts is not to run the show and to do everything and let the rest of the people think, okay, well, they're doing it. You know, it's to equip the congregation, for good works of service. And then there's, you know, other people who have, you know, all the motivational gifts in whatever flavor that God decides to bring into their character or their personality. And that is for, what is it? Works of service, you know? So it's, it, it, it's like a two-part thing. Now, where am I? So I, uh, I have a question, that, and I want us to call out. Don't really bother raising your hands because 
I don't care about that stuff at the moment. What are typical characteristics that you would see in maybe general conversation or you know, particular things that you see people do in church? What are typical characteristics of a unified church? Anybody? What are typical characteristics that you would see in a unified church? What, what things do you do that sort of build unity? Or what sort of things do you say? One would be encouragement. Did someone just say what? Encouragement. Yes, that is one. Anything else? Loyalty. That's important. Anything else? Modesty, honesty, respect. I heard like, sorry? Loving one another. Quite foundational. Trust. Yes. Sorry? Serving together. Amen. All such good answers. Anything else? Submission. Oh, such a difficult one to do because we've turned it into such a dirty word. It's like, I submit to you even though you're going to just tell me what to do even though I disagree with it. That's actually not what God ever meant by submission. Submission is so important. Okay? Now, in this sort of environment, if we're seeking to edify each other and seeking to build each other up in all that we do, it can become much easier to identify gifts in other people. Be that either ascension gifts or motivational gifts. If you want to read about the, the motivational gifts, that's in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. I've been running through that as a young adults group uh, two terms ago. It becomes easier to identify things in other people because you're looking for the best in them. Now, I heard this analogy. When a miner searches for gold, he does not look at the mountain and see dirt and say, well, I'm not going to try that. Does he? He knows there's gold in it. So he digs and moves the dirt out of the way. That's just part of the job. The dirt does not discourage him unless there really is no gold there. But that's, you know, people have gold in them, but quite often we can see the mountain full of dirt and just think, nah, there's no gold in that. We do it all the time. It's, it's so unhealthy, you know. And we can't identify gifts in other people if we're always looking at the dirt. And the same can be said for when you look in yourself. If you only see dirt, then you're not looking at yourself from God's eyes. Maybe you should ask someone who's really on fire for God what they think of you. You'll hear a different perspective, I guarantee it. Now, yes, in this sort of environment, you can also, it's, you know, see, maybe there are some of you in here who have some of these ascension gifts and you don't actually know it because you haven't discovered it about yourself yet. I encourage you, if you don't know, look into yourself. Maybe you will find one of these things, okay? Because God has actually given you a task to equip the saints for good works of service. All right? Now, in a culture of unity, you can dig in yourself and ask God to show you things and, and uh, God can show you some things, but just in case you want that to be confirmed, which is always a good idea, by the way, go to someone and say, look, I think I might be noticing these things about myself. Uh, I believe that's what God's shown me. What do you think? And they will either 
if they're coming at it from a heart of unity and love and respect and loyalty and all the wonderful things we just listed, if they're coming at it from that heart, which is what a church should always do, then they will be able to either confirm or gently say, no. And if they confirm it, they'll be able to say something like, you know, because I've seen you do little things like this and this and this, and it sort of reveals this about you, and I can really encourage you, can you please keep walking in that? You know, step out in, in faith and, and, and really press into it. You know, it's a lot easier to do that. And we should ask that of each other. Now, so that's really the first point I was making. Number two, unity is a fruit of maturity, or unity reveals maturity, as Steve just put it literally a month ago. You know, if, if I have an attitude of disunity or dissension or whatever you want to call it, call it, then I'm really revealing that I'm more interested in my own feelings and intentions rather than God's intentions. That comes from a place of pride and self-centeredness. That comes from, I just want to fulfill self. That's actually, if you really want to go deep enough, that's putting yourself on the throne that God belongs. You know. And that's, that's pretty grievous to God. But it can be so subtle. And we don't notice it. Now, don't get me wrong. Hear my heart in this. I'm, I don't want to preach a message that we're, we're doing the wrong thing, okay? I'm... I'm just discussing some of the different things about this. All right, so, so hear my heart. Now, I've seen what disunity and dissension does to a family. In fact, everyone here has seen it somewhere. Everyone has seen how it can break apart a family. And a unified family is like God's, one of his greatest desires which is why the devil hates it so much. Now, Western society seems to have taken this sort of turn where families generally just break up. I mean, you look at the divorce rate now and it's beyond ridiculous. And I couldn't give you an exact statistic, but I think like 10 years ago, it was two-thirds of marriages in Australia. That's shocking. Funny enough, it seems that all this has sort of taken this turn when we begin to forsake godly principles as a society. And we as the church, we can often ridicule this and shun this and say, well, that's wrong. And yet, we can also be guilty of doing it in the church, but we do it in a slightly different manner. And so we don't recognize that we're actually doing exactly what they're doing. And here's a killer. Here's a real killer of unity. When, when something goes down or I have a disagreement with somebody or you know, whatever happens, if my first thought is always to justify myself, then I have a problem. God really kicked me up the backside with that one a couple of years ago. I used to argue with my brother a lot and, and I had a big whinge to God one day about it and he just said, stop trying to justify yourself. And I'm like, but, and I tried to justify myself right there when I was talking to God. He said, nope, don't justify yourself. You've got to let it go. Well, okay. That one took a while to learn. And that's never easy. So let's say, and I, I, I don't know, I want to use someone as an example. Who am I, I going to pick on? Who am I? Who, oh, John Hall. 
I love you and I respect you. That's why I'm going to pick on you right now, because you're a top bloke. Now, let's say John Hall says something to me. And you know, it, it could be one of a couple of things. So let's say it could either offend me. You know, maybe it's something that has specifically, it, it's offended me. Or uh, he's just made a, a simple, genuine mistake or something like that. So two different things. Or uh, the other one, you know, maybe it's just a, a part of his personality and, and he says something and it, it reveals something to me about his nature that I don't really like. You know, like, what's my response to all of this? What's my business? So if it's offence, if, if I'm offended, could it be possible that he's actually addressing an issue that I have, that I haven't seen within myself? That's number one. You know, does it highlight something in me? And in that, you know, if you come to that conclusion, well, could it have been delivered differently or are you just, you know, taking it the wrong way? Because how often in the body of Christ does someone want to, you know, genuinely correct someone else or bring something up and it just comes out the wrong way and then it causes problems? That's quite often the issue right there, like a, a miscommunication and it's just, it's frustrating, you know. And then, you know, the person who it's being spoken to, they want to justify themselves. And then it just, this whole thing didn't need to happen. Or in the unlikely event, that person could even be wrong, what they said. But it's not just something that you can, you're wrong, and just say it straight away. It's, we've got to think about these things. We've got to process these things. Okay? Um, number two, like, what if it was just a simple mistake? Well, we all make mistakes, don't we? It's easy to see them. It's not easy to see past them. As I said, it's not easy to see the gold when all you see is a big mound of dirt in the way. And there's always more dirt than gold. That's just a fact of life. There's always a lot more dirt than gold. Thankfully, we've got God and people to help us in that process of removing the dirt to get to the gold. <coughs> we respond with grace and love and you think okay let's 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 work on this together come on let me walk beside you you're my you're my brother you're my sister you're my spiritual father or mother or my son or daughter or whatever you walk beside him and you help him in it that's that's the whole point of being a family okay and what if it reveals something about their nature so it's something that they just tend to do continuously and it just starts to grate you you know Bear with them and call out the best in them. That's what Jesus did with the disciples. He did have a couple of harsh things to say to them sometimes. I'm not going to lie. You know. Proverbs 19.11. It's really interesting. Some, sometimes I just don't go to Proverbs at all, and then some sermons I just can't stay away from it. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Because offenses are going to come no matter what. It's really our business how we're going to respond to them. Because if your response is always to react, then reaction will be an, inev an inevitability because offense will be an inevitability. And if 
it is the nature of a, a, a body of Christ to always react, then it's not going to be a body of Christ for very long. It's going to be a very dismembered body of something. It's not going to be of Christ, I guarantee that. You know, so, I mean, don't get me wrong. In saying all this, I mean, I'm saying encourage, I'm saying be loyal, be loving, all this kind of stuff. We still got to look at this properly. I mean, how many people here know that unity is not always fun? It can be gritty. It can be a very hard road. It can be just downright painful. And if you live in a family, what? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Unity can be such a painful thing. And if you come from a family, which I hope most of you do, <laughs> you will understand that unity can be very difficult. Because it is easier to satisfy yourself than to accept pain and love the other person in spite of what they just did. That hurts, but that is wisdom and that is patience. That is the fruit of Christ working in your life. Here's something to think about when I say that. So when you rebuke someone, because that is part of unity as well. Rebuke is part of unity. Do you rebuke someone with the intent of raising them? Or do you rebuke someone with the intent of lowering them? Do you get satisfaction out of rebuking someone. And if you do, then maybe you should take that to God. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I've really felt like, yes, I shut them down. Ugh! But that's a pride issue. <laughs> it's not good. Okay? Every time Jesus ever rebuked someone, or every time Paul ever said, you know, kick him out of the church, it was actually, if you really want to read it in context, it was in the hope of restoring them. That was the whole point of it. And that is something that we cannot forget. So, let's move on. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning of, and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So here's another thing. Unity prevents us from being led astray, okay? Now, I want to give you the, just a picture of like a, a sphere, like a, uh, a steel ball. Now, a sphere is described as the most solid structure, that you could ever make. Because everywhere on its surface is just as supported as every other part. It, it doesn't have any weak points at all. You know? But if you have a ball that has a lot of cracks in it, you know, it, it becomes easier to break apart. I mean, that's one of the ways the devil likes to break apart a church. If there's cracks... He'll find them, and he'll seep into them and split them apart. That's what he does. It is always easier 
to down a soldier by finding the chinks in his armor. That's just common sense. That's how you win a fight. You find their weak spot and you get them. So a unified body keeps itself in check. And members keep each other in line. Now that could either be through rebuke, encouragement, many other things. But if you're always doing it with the right heart, it will always have, you know, God's touch. If you do it for your own satisfaction, it's you've lost the game. You're really just playing into the devil's hands if you're going to give in to your own emotions when you're trying to correct someone. Now I'm going back to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Now that just that doesn't just have application to leaders. That has application for every single person in the church. And it goes both ways. Okay. Now, something that my brother said that was really cool to me once. He said, Jamie, if you're ever going to make a really important decision, then you should... Seek the counsel of five, <coughs> sorry, you should seek the counsel of five older and wiser people than yourself, which at the time was a hard thing for me to admit because I just thought I was the bee's knees in wisdom. <laughs> seek five older and wiser people and ask their opinion. And he said, don't just go to the yes men. Don't just go to the people that are going to tell you what you want to hear. You've got to be prepared to go to the people that are going to say, do you really think that's a good idea, Jamie? Those opinions can often be the most valuable, you know. But we do need a, a well-rounded opinion from different people, okay? It helps us to see more things. It helps us to see beyond ourselves and our own desires. And, you know, when that sort of maturity is in you, the sort of maturity that breathes unity, you tend to recognize false teaching when you hear it because it disagrees with your spirit. How many of us have ever heard someone say, I have a new revelation? It's like, oh, yeah, cool. Where does it say that in scripture? Oh, here and here and here and here and here. But they miss the point entirely. It's very easy to reference scripture and take it out of context. I've done it many times. Now, thankfully, I'm learning to look at a verse and then look around it and think, well, maybe I can't actually use that. You know. But there are, you know, lots of false teachers in the world. The Bible says that. There are lots of people that run off their own opinions or they interpret Scripture the way they want to interpret Scripture or the way the devil would have them interpret Scripture, both equally as dangerous as each other. And they can turn people away. It's really sad. But it's harder to fall away in a unified body because there's that accountability and that you know, culture of respect and, and understanding because unity doesn't just come out of nowhere. It actually does come from spiritual maturity. So it's something we should all desire. Well, let's just read the last, last verse. Uh, oh, 15 and 16. 
Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So unity is the most effective and well-rounded way to grow. Okay? It's, It's really foundational to a successful church. Now... If our mind is caught up in gossip, you know, dissension, feuds, all that kind of stuff, all this, you know, opinionated stuff about people, then we'll also notice in our spiritual walk that we're running around in circles. Because we tend to allow our minds to have such control over our spirits that we tell it what to do. And that's never the way God designed us. He designed our spirits to tell our minds what to do. Matthew 5.23 says, and you don't need to turn there. This is when Jesus is giving advice to the crowd, okay? This is just after his Sermon on the Mount and everything. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Oh, I didn't copy and paste all of that. You know, it says, leave your gift at the altar and go back and be reconciled to him. Okay? Like, it, it's all well and good to, to get right with God and, and pray all the time. That, that's great. And we should do those things, you know? We, we should pray all the time. But if I don't have a heart for oneness and unity, which is the very heartbeat of God and the evidence of a strong family, mind you, then you're not going to grow as a person. You're not going to grow in your relationship with God. Family is God's business. That's what he lives and breathes. God is a family in himself and we des- he designed us to look like him. That's the structure of a family, to imitate the trinity of God. God is all about oneness. Okay. And I'm sure... We all know this, and if we don't, and you're hearing this the first time, hallelujah, but the foundation of unity is love. In its purest and simplest form, it's just love. Love is the foundation, okay? And if that is at the forefront of our minds all the time, then it actually becomes difficult to get offended with people, okay? Now, if someone says something to me, that could be downright offensive. But I think, you know what, I value this person. I care about their walk with Jesus, then I can hold myself back for a second and then think clearly and say, in, and instead of reacting, I can respond in a gentle and patient and loving way that will be edifying for that person. Okay? We cannot do any of this practical stuff if we don't love people. It's as simple as that. So now I'm just going to throw out a couple of verses. Uh, John 17, 23. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, this right here says that unity is a witness to the world. I said before that we often bag on how Western culture has uh, just forsaken this whole idea of unity in families and, and families get torn apart by all this kind of stuff because, you know, God's not in it and then we end up doing the same thing ourselves in a different manner. But 
if we are unified, then we show ourselves different from the world, and that is a powerful witness. And uh, earlier on in the book of John, uh, chapter 13, verse 35, you know, it's, <laughs> by this everyone will know that you are, dis- you are my disciples if you love one another. So our unity as a witness to the world is displayed by us loving one another. It's actually really easy. Or it's really straightforward. It's not necessarily easy, sorry. And one more verse, and this will be the last one. 1 John chapter 4, verses 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, if one were to really look into it, that statement right there is kind of a theological interest you know his love is made complete in us and you think you know um paul asks us to try and understand the width and the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and all this kind of stuff of god's love this love that is just so impossible to understand how could something that great be made complete in us i mean the simple answer is christ lives in us who is the fullness of the deity so If you've got a teaching gift in here, don't let that be a headache. (laughs) Thus, his love is made complete in us. But here's the real question I want to leave us with tonight. Does that complete love reveal itself in your life? Does it show in who you are? Does it... You know, is that manifested in your actions? Is that manifested in what comes out of your mouth? When people hear you speak, what do they hear? When people see you doing things, when you don't even know they're watching, what do they see? These are some very important questions. And I know we will never get this perfectly right. But integrity is not about being perfect. It's about working towards perfection. And that can only be done in Christ okay so I'll just leave it there does the love of God show in my life 